Hello and welcome to the Chorus and the Chaos podcast. My name is Blake. I'm joined tonight with the venerable Jack Lee. Uh, if you've noticed, we have a missing party tonight. Uh, there's a giant schism going on in the Chorus and the Chaos. <laughs> uh, you'll notice last week Jack was by himself, or uh, Grayson was by himself. This week it's just us two. We don't know if we're going to be able to all stand each other in the same room anymore. It's gotten bad. Uh, it's gotten bad. People. Yeah. It's gotten all chaos. All chaos. No, not really. This is that goofy stuff at the beginning of podcasts that people really hate. So, no, Grayson is under the weather. So, Jack and I were sick during the last recording. And then this recording, Grayson is sick. So, uh, by the Lord's mercy, at some point, we'll all be back together in the in the same podcast here. But we're going to charge on ahead. Uh, we're talking about our theme for this season being common struggles of the Christian faith or things that, you know, Christians might particularly wrestle with. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we compiled a big old list, um, and we read off some of those back in episode one. Uh, in tonight's episode, we decided to tackle the subject of covetousness versus contentment. Uh, it actually started out originally being kind of a greed versus generosity, but we quickly found that as we were getting into this subject, that it is just massive. And so we don't know if we'll be able to cover everything in this episode. It's so, um, there's so much to deal with uh, that we're going to take it kind of at a, at a flyover, I guess you could say. So, and Mr. Jack is not in his normal setting, if you can see. Uh, with the uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, Jack, you're 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 kicking it east side tonight, right? I am somewhere in the great state of North Carolina. So, if you are in North Carolina, know that I'm in the same state as you. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And when you feel that the glory has departed, Jack Lee, Jack Lee has uh, boarded his plane. Yes, and left and left. Yeah. So anyway, on the subject of uh, greed and covetousness and contentment and generosity, kind of handling those things together. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I went to public high school. Um, we watched in our economics class the movie Wall Street. And if you're familiar with the movie Wall Street, at one point, Michael Douglas, uh, as Gordon Gecko, makes this inspirational speech about greed. And kind of the drive home point of that speech is greed, for lack of a better word, is good. I was telling Jack before we started, uh, I remember as a teenager, a little heathen teenager, I was like, that's deep, that is profound. Uh, I actually watched that clip again today, just looked it up on YouTube. And it's super dumb, <laughs> particularly from the Christian from the Christian worldview. Uh, but you know, if you look really in Western society, that is kind of the prevailing theme uh, that greed is good and that greed is beneficial. And yet, the Bible has uh, something to say completely different than that. Um, the basic definition that we're going to be working with tonight about uh, covetousness and the greedy person in the Bible is one who is eager to have more, especially what belongs to others. Okay. And so there's this desire for more of something uh, that they're not supposed to have, and especially something that belongs to others. Uh, therefore, as we're kind of looking at this uh, covetousness and greed issue, we're going to be handling the opposites of those being contentment and contentment 
generosity. Okay. Um, and we kind of had talked about it that covetousness is kind of a root sin uh, that produces all kinds of fruit sins. One of those uh, being greed, whereas contentment is kind of a root virtue. Uh, and then out of contentment flows generosity. And so that's kind of how we're handling it. But our primary text for tonight, I kind of feel like I'm preaching here, uh, is Exodus 20, 17. Mr. Jack, why don't you read that for us? Sure. Yeah. Exodus twenty seventeen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Right. So familiar text, right? Ten commandments. Uh, that, of course, being the tenth commandment. Um, I think one of the... We, we had talked about the second commandment in our uh, on our chosen episode. I think that we run a danger of becoming so familiar uh, with the ten commandments that they lose some of their gravity. And so... As we're going through tonight, like it's just to slow down a little bit yeah. and consider some of those things in Exodus 20, 17. Um, the first thing that's brought up, not coveting your neighbor's house. Um, how easy is it to look at others and say, man, they've got look at all that nice stuff that they have versus the cruddy stuff that I have. Um how easy is it to look at your neighborhood and for no other reason apart from just the aesthetic of it, wanting to move up and move out? Um, you know, I want that uh, HGTV house, you know. You've seen those? Uh, I don't know, how much HGTV do you watch, uh, Jack? <laughs> More than I wish. <laughs> um my wife and I went through a phase where we watched like the fixer upper, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. we watch, we watch that. Right, I've, right. I've seen a, enough right. of them to, to get the point. Right. Yeah. What's that? What's that one where they show them like three houses? That's house and hunters. Is that house hunter? Yeah. I don't even know. Is that on HGTV or is that on, that might be on I think that it's, one that, I think it's on that our friend Stuart watches all the time. They <laughs> call him Stuart out that, <laughs> that channel. No, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh yeah, no, no, you know, but it's like the guy, it's like that famous meme that kind of goes around, like, I'm a part-time butterfly collector. <laughs> Salamander and my, something. And my, and my hu yeah, yeah, and my husband bakes bread on the weekends. Yeah. Our budget is $5 million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, wanting, uh, but desiring, you know, something, you know, bigger and better, just for the sake of having something bigger and better. Right. Like property, uh, items, things like that. Uh, you know, not coveting your neighbor's wife, that second thing in there. Uh, you know, I mean, how easy is it again to say, I'm not satisfied with my spouse and with the divorce rates that we see in the United States, that is an obvious problem, uh, that your people are not satisfied with their spouse and they desire, you know, someone else. I mean, I think how many of us know people, uh, whose lives and maybe even some of our listeners lives have been totally upheaved by, a you know, uh, an affair, you know, and sin just runs its, sin runs its course, uh, based in, in this instance, it would be lust and covetousness. Um, you know, but it's also easy to look at someone else and say, well, I wish, I just wish that my, 
marriage was more like theirs. Or I wish I would have married someone like that. I mean, you even hear things like this in the church. Uh, look how helpful her husband is. I wish my husband was helpful like that. Yeah. Look how friendly his wife is. I wish my wife was friendly like that. Why am I stuck with my husband when there are men like that running around? You know, I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of this thought that can start small and covetousness, and then it grows into something that can be much, much worse. Um, you know, that whole issue of servant and ox and donkey. Again, we're getting in this thing of, you know, my car is junk. Uh, I'm, you know, my friends are posting all these lines, uh, all these pictures online of the sweet vacation that they took. And man, I never get to go on vacation. I'd sure like to catch a break. Why am I stuck at this job? Why do my kids act like this? And their kids are so good. I mean, on and on and on. And these are not outlandish things for people yeah. to say, right? Yeah anything. I wish I was smart like him. I, looked, I wish I looked like her. I wish my family was normal like their family. Why is my life so hard? Why is their life so easy? Right? There it is. Yeah. On and on and on it goes. So coveting is a serious, serious issue. Uh, in fact, it's listed among the sins in Romans 1, 28 through 31. Now, classically, Jack, what is this passage kind of known for? Like, why? where is this kind of the go-to? Oh, it's the, uh, it's the con board. condemning everyone, haters of God, the, you know, you condemn yourself by your unbelief. You see, you see creation, you recognize God, right. you deny him. You know, it's, it's yeah, that's the right. classic way. This is way. like the worst of the worst. The, right, right. This is the pinnacle atheistic, idolatrous, right. sexual perversions. I mean, when Paul is going uh, at these guys in Romans, I actually love what he does just as a sidelight. And I think uh, Grace and I were talking about this uh, several weeks ago. He presents like the worst of the worst person. They almost kind of get his audience like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then immediately he goes after the moralist right after this. Like those who think that they're earning their way to heaven. It's just kind of like this silent right hook. It's beautiful. Um, but would you read that uh, text for us, Jack? Romans 1, uh, 28 through 31 in particular. Yes. Let me pull that up really quick. I didn't have it handy. While I'm reading, while I'm pulling that up, you know, as, yeah. as we were thinking about this, the you, you mentioned the, the Wall Street movie. That was like the thing that came yeah. into your mind. I'm right. a Lord of the Rings nerd. And I, yeah. and I sat and thought about Lord of the Rings and how half of that book is is a treatise on covetousness. Like you, mm, you could, yeah. you could look at that sin and look at what Lord of the Rings kind of says about what covetousness does and how it destroys and corrupts and ruins and apply yeah. it to like most of the characters in the book. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but Smeagol, obviously Smeagol, you know, he kills, I don't remember the guy's name uh, in the boat, but he, you know, takes the ring and then it just, destroys them so anyway i yeah. just thought i'd share that it it's was like boromir too yeah boromir like, yeah, that's yeah. that whole yeah yeah that whole part there absolutely all right so romans 1 28 <laughs> through 31 and since they did not see fit to acknowledge god god gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done 
They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Man, right. that is a list. That right. is a list. And so you've got, yeah. but you've got covetousness right in there. Yeah. And I yeah. think that, again, in, in Western society, covetousness is one of those respectable sins. Yeah, Jerry Bridges says of, that, right? I think I yeah, remember that. It's kind yeah. Of the, yeah, it's the, it's the it's kind of the American way, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's the, you know, do what you got to do, get ahead, uh, you know, bigger, better, keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, it's almost, it's, you know, that, that idea of covetousness and what it spurs in people is almost seen as a virtue, right? It's this... You see something you want, you work hard enough, you can make it yours. You go get right. it. Go get yours. You know, it's... it's right. Yeah, no matter many, what. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How many podcasts are there about, like, teaching people to seize what's theirs and, right. you know, carpe well, diem? Well, clearly. at least, is one. Yeah. <laughs> There's at least right. one out there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's, it's just this prevailing mentality about the American dream and that yeah. you can do that. Right. And it, it is right. your responsibility to take control and seize what belongs to you. Right. In that sense. Well, and we live in a society, too, that uh, is like that, that pumps out dissatisfaction, too. Yeah. I mean, look how much ad advertising is around us. Oh, yeah. And the point of advertising is what? To get you to buy or be dissatisfied with what you have. Yeah. To look around and you say, know? you know, my phone really isn't that nice. I need this, right. this news <laughs> right. or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So he, um, even in social media, same thing. I mean, oh. you see a lot of those trends of, you know, scrolling, again, seeing how much better everyone's life is than yours. Yeah. And, you know, then, I mean, how many times do people walk away from just mindlessly scrolling uh, social media feeling like garbage? Because again, so and so's off on this Hawaiian vacation, and you look around, and uh, your toddler just dumped his milk out on the floor for the fifth time today. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, here's a quote. I found this quote a long time ago, and I went and looked it up today. Uh, it's by John Newton. All right, on covetousness. Mm -hmm. I always thought this is a, a great quote. He the says, "Creator of Fig Newtons." <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact. Yep, it's a bonus <laughs> fact. Um, I consider covetousness as the most generally prevailing and ensnaring sin by which professors of the gospel in our materialistic society are hindered in their spiritual progress. A disposition, excuse me, a disposition deeply rooted in our fallen nature, strengthened by the custom of all around us, the power of habit and the fascinating charm of wealth is not easily counteracted that's good it's good yeah he wrote that one the 1800s 1700s i don't know if his lifespan in front right. of me but hundreds of years ago yeah. but how relevant is that for today right the char right. i love that that phrase the the fascinating charm of wealth yeah. yeah that's really in that um well i mean if it was you know if it was mid 1800s he's writing that i mean he is writing that in the uh, victorian era which is an era of exuberance. 
you know, some someone is going to be out there really irritated that we don't know when John Newton lived and died. Yeah, someone is Look, very upset. All I know is he invented the fig Newton. That's all I need to know. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so while Jack's while Jack's looking that up, <laughs> um, we did have a generous donor uh, send us a stack of the praying through scripture, praying through the uh, Bible booklets. Uh, that we had mentioned several times in the podcast. We want to start giving those away. So here's what we'll do. I didn't even talk to Jack about this yet. Uh, if you in the YouTube comments can tell us who invented the Fig Newton, and the correct answer is John Newton. If you can put that in the comments and you're the first one, I'll contact you and I'll send you a copy of that book for free. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that is. I didn't know that was happening. All right. So what year? So what year was he born? Seventeen twenty-five to eighteen oh seven. So okay, okay, yeah. So not quite, not quite into the Victorian era. So it was, it was about to get worse uh, than you know than what he was experiencing. I guess that kind of once again proves something that we already know is that rosy retrospection is very dangerous to look back yeah. and say like things were so much better back then. Yeah. Where guys back then are like, no, there's this huge coveting problem that's yeah. taking place. Well, in the it goes today. It, it, it speaks to what the scriptures say, like it's a matter of the heart, which is something I've, I've always found very interesting about this commandment. Um, and I'm sure if I thought long about it, I could draw this out in other of the Ten Commandments. But you think about Jesus when he was clarifying, you know, if, if, if when he's interpreting or clarifying some of the Ten Commandments, he th says things like, you say you haven't murdered, but you've hated. Right. right. You've murdered in your heart. And he's pointing out that the law is really speaking to the heart. Right. And here we have this one commandment that is clearly without interpretation, speaking directly at the heart. Right. Like as far back then, this is how prevailing and pervasive this sin is. Mm -hmm. Even, yep. even, even back then, like right at the heart, right at yep. the heart of, you shall not covet internal, right? This isn't an outward. I mean, it could be an outward thing, right? But it, but it manifests <laughs> right. itself in the heart. Right, right. And that's, and ultimately that's what it's not the outside stimuli right. that brings it about for a person. It's not like you're exposed to enough nice cars that you're coveting now. No, right. it's that that's something that already that's inside of you, right? Yeah. It's, it's the heart working out the issues of life. And again, this is a serious thing. So again, our society, I mean, you talk to your coworker or family members, I mean, it's not a Christian and you express your, uh, you know, lament over covetousness in your life. They'll look at you like you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's just normal life. I read a, um, study this week that said that, uh, people in the United States spend over 50% of their time thinking about money, how to get it, how to spend it and how to keep it basically, which is pretty significant. I don't know how they actually came to those conclusions, but there it is anyway. First uh, Corinthians five eleven. So not only is covetousness listed amongst those Romans one sins, but first Corinthians five eleven, Paul gives the warning, but now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Okay, so again, you have these lists of what we might consider culturally big sins, and now we've got greed or covetousness stuck right in there uh, as well. And remember, that's one, the attitude of a covetousness person or greed person 
is eager to have more yeah. in proportion of things that they maybe shouldn't have, and especially things that belong to other people. Hey, hey look, look. So here's a couple things. On. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. As a pastor, have you ever had someone come to you and confess and seek help for specifically for covetousness? This would be a great time for that commercial break. <laughs> um, no, so not um, dis. I would say discontent in specific areas, maybe, but not with the general. Not with a general like, I've got a coveting problem. Um, but maybe discontent in specific areas. So yeah, like a know. symptom of covetousness, maybe. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but but it's, again, it's not one. I think that that I again, I think that it is one that a lot of people would look at the landscape of their life and say, "I've got a lot of issues that I need to tackle." I'll put this covetousness thing on the back burner. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe it's not that, and maybe it's not that you know pointed in their mind. But again, for for many of us, it seems like a small sin, but really, the Bible says. That it is not. Yeah, it's, that it is a very large. Yeah, sin. as you pointed out, even in the verse yeah. you just read, it's it's bunched up with some pretty ugly stuff. Right, it really is. Right. Yeah. Now, here's a couple of things we want to we want to clarify. Uh, here's a few things that coveting is not. Okay, that coveting is not. Not every kind of want and desire is coveting. Okay, so for example, we know Christ never sinned, but Christ knew hunger. He knew thirst. Uh, he even in the Garden of Gethsemane asked, you know, if there's any other way that the cup passed from me, uh, you know, let it let it be. And so, uh, a a desire in and of itself does not equate coveting. Okay. Um, furthermore, coveting and greed are not as black and white as simply having money, not having money. Okay. Uh, a lot of times people will throw those in those categories. Well, greedy people are rich people and not greedy people are poor people. And that, I would say, in my pastoral experience, is absolutely not true. Um, there is, in 1 Timothy 6.10, famous passage, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I'm going to tell you, you can be rich and greedy, but you can be poor and greedy. It's a heart issue. It's not a bank account issue. Uh, you know, you think about the pe people that are driven by money, thinking about money, have that love of riches. You can have a love of riches without actually having riches. Right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that something that we see quite often? Uh, one of the reoccurring um, bad uh, kind of little Dave Ramsey, you know, coming out, I guess. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the, when, one of the things that you hear often, if you're not, if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey and the money stuff and everything that he does, um, one of the things that he talks about, you know, reoccurring is people that are in bad financial state to begin with making more poor financial decisions because they have a love for the stuff more than they have a love 
for God or for their own well-being even. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I grew up in a, in a small town in East Texas and it was, everyone was relatively poor. Like this was not a wealthy area. And I can think of it and I, and the people, and again, it's not, not to, I'm kind of stumbling among my words. I'm forming my thoughts as I go. So I apologize, listener. Yeah. Uh, That's I, what I was doing. Yeah. So. I, Let me set the scene for you. A small town <laughs> Texas boy wondering if the world is bigger than cattle and Chick-fil-A. It's not. Um, <laughs> that's the answer. But and he rides off. And <laughs> that's the end of the story. No, I can think of I can think of two very specific examples where this use of money was just so bad. So I had a very good friend of mine. He's actually uh, the Lord used me to lead to, for him to come to Christ. Still a still a believer. Very very good friend of mine. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I remember specifically one time he invited me over to his to his house and his mom was dating this guy. And this, they're poor, like, didn't have running water, sometimes poor. Like, yeah. Right. So, but he invited me over there. We were doing whatever. And this guy comes back and he had just gotten paid. Right. Tax day baller. Yeah. And I don't know how much yeah. he got paid, but what he bought was a roll of, I'm going to guess, 10,000 black cats, like the little firecrackers, like in a giant yeah. roll. Right. And, and my, my friend's mom was like, how much did that cost? And they got like a big fight about it. And he was like, no, it's going to be worth it. And it, it was like hundreds of dollars, like hundreds of dollars. <laughs> and, it, and he lit this thing on fire. And it literally, like a, it just for like five minutes, just pop, 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 pop. And there was yeah, like a mushroom, right. there was a mushroom cloud that went up, right? <laughs> <laughs> a mushroom cloud of smoke. But I, I just remember watching that and being like, that's the worst financial decision I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like the single worst. <laughs> hey, Jack, that's small town Saturday night, right? There, that, right there. that was entertainment. Yeah. yeah. But, what else is there to do? That's been hundreds of dollars on black cats and light them on fire. <laughs> but, but oh, the, the, the point is, and, and maybe that's not covetousness as much as stupidity. Um, yeah, somebody's getting real offended right yeah, now. Listening. Yeah, if you they, like, they just lit off some black cat, they're like, <laughs> "Excuse me, sir." Yeah, yeah, how dare you? Yeah. Um, but but I think the point is the the and, and to go back to what you're saying, the sin of covetousness doesn't just belong to wealthy people. It, it you're going right. to see it in wealthy people. You're going to see it in very poor people, and whoever right. it is, it's a hard issue. Yeah. And I think it's important to right. say, even if listener, you get that thing that you really think you want, you take it. You do whatever. Somehow you acquire it. Just mm -hmm. like the black cats, it does not satisfy. It's over. It'll just burn up in the street. Yeah, yeah. it'll burn yeah. up. And, and mean, then tomorrow it's something else. Right, right. And that's the thing about the, the covetous thing in particular with those that are not wealthy. I mean, I, I grew up in kind of the classic, you know, month-to-month -month home. Yeah. You know, just, you know, whatever. Um, but the kind of the classic... Um, thing with being not really wealthy where covetousness comes in is you say things like if i just had a little bit more money yeah i would be 
happier. If, if I just had more money, I could, I could get on top or I could do this project or do whatever, you know, I could get out of this neighborhood. Like if I just had more, my life would be better. And it makes you cast kind of a longing eye at people that do have more yeah. and say, well, they've got it, you know, they've got it easy. They've got it, you know, look how simple their life is, which again, simply is just not true. Uh, wealth does not equate an easy, simple life. Uh, Henry Ford famously said, looking back on his life, I was the happiest when I was a mechanic. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, again, you have this guy that's got a world's worth of wealth and looking back on his life said, I'm not happy. I'm ha I'm happy. I was happy in a lower estate than I am now. Yeah. Simply to say, mo money, mo problems. <laughs> Thank you, Notorious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you remind me, there's a, a video I've seen a handful of times and it's old. This is like Tom Brady long before he retired, right? But there was, they were doing some interview with him on like 2020 or something. And the, the question is something, and I'm paraphrasing. Somebody can, if you find it, maybe link it in the comments to the YouTube or something. But he, he says something like, you've won three Super Bowls. You're married to a supermodel. You're rich. Yeah. Are you happy? And he like stares off into nothing. And he's like, there's got to be more is essentially what he says. Yeah. And it's just, it's so fleeting and empty. So fleeting. I'm really excited. I think we talked about this prior to doing this episode that either the next one or the one after we're going to do an episode on contentment. And yeah. man, I'm excited about that episode. I, and right. there's that book, the rare jewel of Christian contentment. It is such it Andrew is, Burroughs. Yeah. yeah. If you want to do your homework before that episode, just pump through that book. Yes. It, it is. You can, uh, yeah. It, it is like, and I, and I don't even claim to have this perfectly, but, but, by God's grace, I've I've learned some contentment, right? Actually, I think and it's Jeremiah Burroughs. It is, Ger yeah. Andrew, you said sorry. Andrew. It is. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to embarrass you in front of everybody. It's so. his. It's his brother. <laughs> I don't know. He helped create the fig Newton. <laughs> Same guy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but it, it's like a it's like a superpower, like a Christian superpower. It's a kind of a dumb thing to right. say, but like when, when you right. truly understand biblical contentment, like nobody can do anything to you. Yeah, and You're nobody like else can – in no other system, one of the things that uh, Burroughs brings out that's always stuck with me hmm. is no other moral code in history, no other uh, political system calls covetousness a sin yeah. and presses for contentment. Every other system, at least in the day of his writing, was – no, covetousness and discontentment are, are good things. Yeah. And he actually – and he makes some distinction of things that are good to be discontent. It's not It's not good to be – it's good to be discontent like, for example, in your Christian walk if it drives you, you know, toward Christ and, and things like that. So – Yeah. But anyway, back on this this coveting thing. Um, we don't have Grace in here to lasso us <laughs> in. So we're just kind of floating around. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but not every kind of want is coveting. Again, it's not as simple as just having versus not having money. Uh, in fact, the Bible commends desire when it is right for the right thing and when it's in its proper place. Uh, Sarah and Hannah both wanted children. Uh, Song of Solomon, you can't read that without discovering that sexual desire within marriage is a good thing. Uh, Proverbs encourages hard work to improve your life. Um, the uh, the Psalms 
again and again in the Psalms, it, it's expressed that it is a good thing for us to want more of God. Uh, you know, Paul says that he longs in, in Philippians one twenty one that he longs to be with the Lord. And so there are things that the Bible commands us to desire in their proper place. Um, the point of this contentment issue and discontentment or uh, covetousness and greed, I guess we could say, is not to make us unfeeling zombies. Um, our problem is wanting things or uh, desiring things, like wanting wrong things or desiring good things in the wrong way. Yeah. And this is where we really need Grayson to give that classic C.S. Lewis mud pies illustration. Yeah. Which I think he's, he's, he's mentioned a few times. So we'll just cut him in right here. Hi, I'm Grayson Gilbert. You may remember me from such podcasts as Three Reasons Why We Won't Watch The Chosen and Church Discipline, Parts 1 and 2. I interrupt you from your listening today to bring an important word from our Course in the Chaos premium content sponsor, C.S. Lewis. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So anyway, that was Grayson <laughs> talking about C.S. Lewis's mud pies. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, so what is coveting then? Well, again, it's helpful to look at the 10th commandment in this way. Uh, if coveting is desiring what belongs to another person, then coveting is theft of the heart. So what Jack was mentioning earlier, uh, murder, hatred in the heart, uh, adultery, lust in the heart. Covetousness is really a theft in the heart. It, it sheds light on this serious sin issue uh, that's going on. Um, Covenant in its in its purest form again just wants something that someone else has. Um, not necessarily I want a nicer house, which could be a legitimate desire, or it could be a greedy desire that I just I just want bigger houses and more houses. Covetousness puts that little different shade on it that says I don't want just a bigger house. I want that guy's bigger house. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a little, you know how much we love nuance. There's a little nuance there, right? <laughs> Between those two. That's some great nuance. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> mm, that's mm. some good nuance. Mm, that's good nuance. <laughs> <laughs> Covetousness is fundamentally a violation of the command to love others. Um, greed and covetousness will keep you from helping others, uh, it will keep you from being generous. Uh, furthermore, it will tie your heart to your possessions, uh, just like the rich young ruler uh, who took an estimation of what was valuable in his life and found that Christ was less valuable than his stuff. So it's a sin against men, and it's also a sin against God. Uh, covetousness is an accusatory kind of thing. Uh, 
toward God, which I think is a point that we that we miss. When we look at somebody else's stuff and say, I want, like, why do they get that? Why don't I have that? Like, why hasn't God blessed me in those areas? Why hasn't God blessed me with a spouse or that spouse? Why hasn't God blessed me with a house or that house? You know, on and on. Essentially what it is saying is this, God, you are not good. You are not good because you are withholding from me something that I believe I deserve. Yeah. And so instead of giving... so and so, and a distinction, and so and so doesn't deserve it. Right. Right. It it goes there too. Like, I deserve it. That person doesn't. Yeah, right. So like, again, if you're coveting somebody else's spouse, what you're saying is they don't deserve that spouse. I deserve that spouse. So not only is God not good for giving me that thing, that person does not deserve the good thing that God has given them. Yeah, and if you think about it, it's a violation of of the not the first second commandment, but right, like, but the fir- the, the greatest great commandment. commandment and the second yes, thing is like unto love it. God, love yeah, right. love God, love neighbor. You're violating both of them when you covet, right? So don't covet, don't be a punk, don't all right, don't do it, just <laughs> right. stop it, just stop it, get some help. <laughs> um, this is where I will uh, I will defer to Jack here because he's a Presbyterian. And is probably familiar with the Westminster Larger Catechism. Um, I think that the question about uh, desire that leads to discontentment uh, that they deal with in the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 147 and question 148, um, are very good, are very good. And I have those out for us. Well, Blake, let me ask you a question then. Yeah. If it's so good, why aren't you a Presbyterian? (laughs) I have wondered that. Sometimes yeah. I think about that. Yeah. Um, Maybe what are the dude? Maybe we'll get to heaven. We'll all be Presbyterians. That's pretty sure. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure you are pretty sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Blake, what are the duties required in the tenth commandment? Oh, you're going to make me read it, Jack. I've been monologuing this whole time. I can't read this. It's a Q and A. I might turn into a Baptist or a Presbyterian. <laughs> See, it's happening. <laughs> The duties required in the Tenth Commandment are such a full contentment with our own condition and such a charitable frame of the whole soul toward our neighbor as that all our inward motions and affections touching him tend unto and further all that good which is his. So there's the, that's the positive end of the Tenth Commandment. Being so detached from your own wealth and your own things that you think primarily of your neighbor, loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jack, let me ask you question 148. What you got? What, what are you, the, what you got, Blake? <laughs> do you have this memorized? Are you a... <laughs> no, I don't have this memorized. Come on, I'm not Jack. that good of a Presbyterian. <laughs> Negative 100 I'm not the... <laughs> Presbyterian points. We're taking your badge. Right. What are the sins forbidden in the 10th commandment? Question 148. That's a great question, Blake. The sins <laughs> forbidden in the 10th commandment are discontentment with our own estate, envying and grieving at the good of our neighbor, together with all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. That'll preach. Mm. Yeah, that'll preach. I think there's a... There's another podcast floating around out there that was going through the larger catechism, I think. 
Like a, there like, are other podcasts out there? Yeah, right? like a Presbyterian podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought we were the only one. I didn't know. Well, no. well we're not a Presbyterian podcast. <laughs> I meant the only like Christian podcast out there. Oh, the only well, reformed that, Christian podcasts. Right. Aren't we the only one? It could be. Yeah, I don't know. Only time will tell. But I think only time will tell. But I think the point and and what the 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 catechism is really getting at and what we've been stressing here. Um, don't laugh. I'm let getting me define serious now. What the, let me tell you what the divines <laughs> are really getting at here. This is what they should have said. Oh, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Was how they said it not clear enough? You got to make up your own Presbyterian things? Yeah. No, no I mean, what, what they're getting at in the heart of all this is that when you covet, you're saying God is not enough. Right. Right. You're saying Christ isn't enough. The cross wasn't enough. The things, when, when the Bible says that he has given us all things in Christ. Right. You're saying, no. Yeah, I need more. No, I need more. Right. That's not good enough for me. I need that. You know what's crazy? You look at the Ten Commandments as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. It begins and ends with the thought that God is enough, right? So first commandment, there's only one God and only him shall you worship, okay? You don't need other gods. You don't need idols. You don't need any of this other stuff. God is enough. And then, so like it starts on this very like cosmic level and then it goes clear down at the end in the 10th commandment to like the stuff physical level where if you have this uh, contentment thing in order and you have covetousness put to death in your life, then you can honestly say God is enough. God is enough. Like I don't need my neighbor's stuff. I don't need this, these other things to make me happy because God is my portion and in his presence is the fullness of joy. Um, again, uh, we, we mentioned in, when you and I were, were chatting earlier, uh, you look at Paul. I mean, Paul says, like, I've learned in all circumstances to be content. Like, I have nothing. And he's like, I, I believe in that context, he's writing that from prison, right? Like, I'm content. I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to boogie out. Man, that's a super, Jesus. That is know? a superpower. I'm telling you. Right. Right. Again, it's it's a unique it's a unique Christian feature. It is. Uh, I would say. Yeah. I would say. So here's where uh let's see, we're 40 minutes in. You've heard Jack and I ramble on about uh covetousness and, and greed and some of these things. Jack nods approvingly. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh how do I know if I have a coveting problem like where like where does my industrious american spirit end and my coveting problem begin um again burrow says there's no other ancient code that forbids coveting there's lots of ancient codes that forbid murder and adultery and theft and things like that all good you know moral reflections uh of the one true god who establishes those things and is the reason those things are wicked, but no other ancient code talks about this coveting issue. Again, it's explicitly a heart issue. This is an yep. inside sin that feeds upon outside things. Yes. Um, Kevin DeYoung, who we would love to interview on the podcast. That's a Kevin. If you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> is this our new like our, season one was Tim Keller bits? Yeah. Season two is pining for Kevin DeYoung <laughs> to come on to our podcast 
we haven't even we haven't even reached out to him. I mean, maybe no, we have Like, maybe he'd be like, yeah, I w- yeah, I'll come on your podcast. Are we? But then, then it's like we're nervous, and yeah, are we know. coveting Kevin DeYoung for our podcast? You know, I did see that he did an interview on, about one of his books on another podcast. And that did that? And I was sitting really? in my office chair, and I was thinking. How great would it be to have Kevin? <laughs> I wasn't begrudging those brothers, right? But, right. but you know, it would be great. Anyway, it would be uh, Kevin DeYoung, his book on the Ten Commandments. I think I've mentioned it before. Yep. Uh, very good, very approachable. I highly recommend it. Uh, in his book on the Tenth Commandment, he uh, puts forward four signs that you have a coveting problem. Sign number one is that you are willing to hurt others to get more for yourself. This is that whatever it takes to get ahead kind of attitude. I'll step on whoever I need to step on. I will do shady things. I will sin. I will sin if it means I can get ahead. If that is you, then you have a coveting problem. If you're willing to make moral compromises, um, if you're willing to hurt others, then there's a coveting issue going on. Secondly, if you are preoccupied with making and accumulating more, that is to say that you are too busy, that you are too distracted to care about God and the things of God, Preoccupied with making and accumulating more. Too busy, too distracted to care about God. Jack, you want to ruffle some feathers? Let's ruffle. Because I think this is All the right. one that will sting most people. It stings me. Like, let's openly. Let's ruffle like, a little bit. Can, contextually, yeah. I'm, gonna, or, uh, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go on one vein here. Okay. We've talked about this before. Sunday is the Lord's Day. There are works of necessity that the Bible lays out for us that are perfectly legitimate reasons to miss the gathering. We've talked about these things in other podcasts. Uh, Sometimes there's acts of providence. You know, uh, you go out to start the car, car's dead. You're simply not going to make it to church. Nobody can come pick you up. It's just a providential thing that happens. Sometimes you are sick and you can't make it, uh, or you know you got kids that are sick and you can't make it to church. Again, we see allowances for those providential kind of things in the New Testament. There are also works of necessity. Okay, so again, emergency personnel can't always take Sunday off. Okay, um, what you have to do is honestly assess for yourself. Um, am I so obsessed with keeping this job and making this paycheck that I am willing to sacrifice, for example, time in worship with brothers and sisters for, for a non, for a non-essential thing. And we've also mentioned this before. And I'm loading this. I'm I'm smearing this with nuance. But you have to you have to ask yourself. You have to ask yourself: Is this is this a, is this a work of necessity or or is it not? And and honestly, evaluate that. Um, are you afraid to take a stand at your job of non necessity work for the gathering of the saints? 
because your coworkers might look down on you or your boss wouldn't like that or you just don't want to stir a uh, you know cause a stir or things like that like i think some of this stuff comes out of coveting um i'm going to use my uh my my sister uh who is a, is a very godly very godly woman uh she just got off of maternity leave uh in her job she works in a, a chemical lab um she's got off maternity leave just had two twin little boys uh, precious little nephews of mine. And when she got back, uh, to work, uh, she's been in her company nearly, uh, 10 years. Uh, the first day they offered her a promotion management promotion, uh, to step up from where she was, uh, it was better pay, better hours. Here was the caveat. She had fought for 10 years for basically no contact on Sunday. I'm not coming into work. Don't call me. Don't all these things. Each promotion that she has received, that's been a problem from corporate. Well, no, with this promotion, you're going to have to do some stuff on Sundays. Every single time she held the line. No, I'm not going to do it. Like I, I will not take the promotion if it's going to mean that I can't, you know, gather with the saints on Sunday. This time was no different. In fact, while she was gone, her worldwide corporation that she works for was bought out by another worldwide corporation. And they were, and the higher ups were saying, well, no, this is a new bunch of people. These are new higher ups. Maybe that worked in the past, but it's not going to work this time. You're going to have to do Sunday stuff if you're going to take this job. And so she's flat out said, well, I'm talking, I'm not going to take it then. You know, like I don't have anything to lose by, <laughs> by, by not taking it. Uh, she just texted me earlier today, uh, you know, HR gets involved. They're talking about, you know, to the higher ups and all this stuff. And they gave her Sunday, you know, you don't, okay. We won't contact you on Sunday. You don't have to do anything there. You yeah. Know? Good for her. So, uh, yeah. That's right. Great. A little simple. Yeah. Like I was like, you know, I was like, good for her, you know, a good little holding the line and it may not have worked out that way. And she, she very well knew that, you know, because with management and things moving around, it may have simply been a, well, we don't really have a position for you then. You know, if you're yeah. not going to move up into this, you know, whatever, you know, it could have been something that potentially lost your job over or something yeah. like that, you know? So I think that on this issue of being preoccupied with making and accumulating more, um, and ask ourselves, you know, what are we like, what am I willing to sacrifice and am I sacrificing the right things? Am I too busy? Am I too distracted to actually care about the things of God? And no doubt we're a busy people. Uh, yeah. The world is very busy. There's lots of areas, you know, pulling for our time, everything from career to family uh, to, from the, to the Lord himself. And so something's got to give somewhere. And if the give is in your family or in your walk with Christ, there's a covetousness problem <laughs> going yeah. on. Yeah. If, if you're not willing to sacrifice those other things. Um, how about number three there, Jack? Why don't you grab that one? Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of gave a pretty good example of it, but unwilling to give up what you already have. Like that you could look at that as, you know, um, I guess that's not exactly, I was kind of thinking of it in the negative sense as more positive, but unwilling to give up things to sacrifice, you know, you're stuck with it. It possesses you. Um, mm -hmm. Unwilling to part with something for godly reasons or good reasons, right? And then, Right. Number four, and I think this is a good one. This is this is another one that goes right with covetousness, but I think it's something that it's another one of those. Um, what is what is uh, uh, 
No, no, no. I was going to say Jerry Bridges. He calls it um, respectable, oh, respectable sins. sins. Yeah. yeah, respectable sins. Yeah. But this idea of grumbling, right? You frequently grumble about your house, your spouse, your quality of life, your stuff, whatever. Th- think about this. What was – it was obviously disobedience. But you think about the Israelites and they wander the desert for 40 years. They wandered because they grumbled. If you go look at what the Bible says about uh, – and I wish I hadn't thought about this till just now. I wish I would pulled up a verse. But there's some pretty severe language about what the Lord says and how he responds when the Israelites are grumbling about their situation, just complaining right. about the manna, complaining about all this stuff. If you're right. going around and just constantly complaining about your lot or your situation in life, you very likely have a covetousness problem. Right. right. And it is right. – and again, it goes back to that thing that we said earlier. I'm complaining because God doesn't know what's best for me. Right. And it warps your perspective, too. I mean, think yeah. of the Israelites. The Israelites bred from heaven. They're receiving their provision. Sure, maybe there was, uh, maybe it was, you know, sometimes I think people talk about the manna in an unfair way. I remember when I was in college, there was this preacher that really made a big deal about it being, oh, sweet bread from heaven. How could you ever complain about that? I'm sorry, man. I mean, eat eat your favorite meal, every meal, for six months, and yeah. tell me there's not a little tinge of monotony to it. But mon- monotony is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not an evil thing in and of itself. It's a reminder. I mean, who takes a breath and says, this is so monotonous? No. I mean, it's <laughs> like it's it's something that is a good act of God of keeping them alive. And I think one of the things he's getting across, of course, with the manna is that reliance on God, but it warps your perspective because the Israelites was one of the first things they're grumbling about. Again, they're grumbling about the manna and they're looking back at Egypt and they've got this crazy thought of like, things were better in Egypt. Yeah, Things were better in Egypt because we had leeks and garlic and onions and slave like, drivers. <laughs> do you not remember, like, when we used to get beaten for breakfast and beaten yeah. for lunch and beaten for, like, do you remember when they killed all of our children? Like, how can you say, like, how can you say that the leeks and the garlics and the onions, and covetousness does that. It makes yeah. you say crazy things and it makes you think crazy things that if you could just step away from it, you would say, oh, Yeah. Like, look where God has brought us and look how God has provided for us. Things weren't as good as we thought that they were, you know, back yeah. then or whatever. Yeah, yeah it is such so a su- – such a so one little thing here, Blake. It is such oh, – yeah, and yeah. We, we've stressed this quite a bit. But, man, if you step back and really think about covetousness, it is such a dangerous sin. I mean, all sins right. are dangerous, right? But it is such a deceiving deceptive sin very it can be very subtle but but the israelites it's a great example they were they were think about what they saw right all the 10 plagues the bread sea parting the pillar of fire literal food falling from the sky right like <laughs> all uh, of this like cloudy with a chance of meatball style yeah right? yeah and, and you're like down, yeah and it's so easy for us to be like wow you wouldn't think God's not helping us out. This is pretty awesome. Like, right. <laughs> no, they grumble and we would do the right. same thing because our hearts are sick with sin. But look that's, at us now. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying is we look at the Israelites like, how could you do that? But then you look at our lives 
in general in Western society and say, how could we complain about anything? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like that old, uh, you know, it's that old bit like the people that complain about airplanes, you know? Yeah. It's like you're sitting in a chair traveling 800 miles an hour like some Greek god through the air, and you can get across the United States in five hours, and you're griping about it because you have to stand in line or take yeah. your shoes off at a check thing. You know, it's like that is so crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. we have we have luxuries and things and conveniences and provisions. I mean, so beyond. We have we have provisions so beyond what we deserve and things that have been known to society like historically, like world history, and yet we still find reasons to complain, which is why I think we, when we look at Israel, we can, if we're being honest with ourselves, we can see ourselves in the attitudes of Israel. And it's easy to, you know, shake our fingers and say, tisk tisk Israel, but then we do the same stuff, right? Yeah. We do the exact yeah. same things. We see God's goodness and provision, and we've seen, uh, we see his commands. In fact, we have a, a fuller, we have God's word. We have a fuller testimony of God's yeah. ways and his person and his commands. Uh, I would submit to you more valuable than seeing the 10 plagues of Egypt. Yep. And yet we, yet we can we grumble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we grumble. We grumble. So, yeah. uh, I think in conclusion, kind of, if, if you're saying this statement, I would be happier if blank, um, if you're filling that statement with, you know, a, a different spouse or, or a spouse, I mean, you know, singleness, I mean, that's another episode that we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's so easy to, again, look around at other people's estate and say, man, I wish I had that. So if you're leading off with a statement, I, I would be happier if I had more money, I'd be happier if I had a better, you know, if they, you know, appreciated me at my job. I would be happier if, you know, blank, whatever. When we covet, we believe the lie about how God loves us, which is simply to say God doesn't love you because he's not giving you the things that would yeah. make you happy. Um, Ecclesiastes 5.10, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Oh. It's that, uh, it's been attributed to Warren Buffett. I think it's been attributed to like 10,000 different rich guys. You know, how much <laughs> is enough? Just a dollar more, you know, yeah. just a dollar more. Like there is no point where you're, where you're satisfied. Yeah. If you have this coveting problem, Philippians four, 11 through 13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Huh. And Paul doesn't have this cushy life by any means. And yet he's learned biblical contentment. Yeah. So maybe you're working through this and uh, you're like, man, I, I do have a, a coveting problem or that there's a seed of covetousness that I'm kind of keeping, uh, you know, keeping alive. Um, what can we do? Like, what can we do if 
we have a coveting issue. Yeah, I think I think the first thing, and this will go like hand in hand with repentance, right? That yeah, repent, like confess it, talk to your elders, your pastor, be open and honest about it. I bet if you walk in there, your pastor's eyes will get wide because you might be the first person <laughs> in a long <laughs> yeah. time to right. to come and confess it. But that's an that's a good thing. Like be be introspective to your heart and be open enough to recognize what scripture says and be like, yeah, I'm, I grumble a lot. Yeah. Like be willing. Don't, let me say this. Don't, dis, don't continually deceive yourself that your grumblings don't matter. Right. Don't just gloss over it. And if you're confronted about being a grumbler, first off, thank the brother or sister who came to you and was brave enough to point that thing out for your good and for God's glory. But don't respond like this. Well, of course I, I'm grumbling because this thing and this thing and this thing. See, like that's just leaning into the grumbling and the covetousness. Right. I mean, turn from that. Turn from that. So you're turning, you need to turn away from having your eyes on all the things that you don't have and the hypothetical things that would make your life better, you know, this many more riches, this much more stuff, this different kind of spouse or kids or whatever. You can turn your eyes off of those things and you need to turn your eyes on Christ. Yeah. Yeah. N know who you are in Christ, right? Remember who you are in Christ. Remember that, that we're, to, we're dead to sin and alive in Christ. Right. Remember what it means to be justified, uh, by God's grace through faith. Remember, ponder and consider and meditate on what the cost of sin was. Right. 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 Know who you are and know what it cost. Uh, in the same thought, remember the promises of God because Christ has done this. Right. Because I mean, this is happening. Who do you believe? Who do you believe? Do you believe the advertiser that says you need this thing to be happy, or do you believe Christ? Do you believe yeah. your you know, coworker, your neighbor, do you believe your own sinful heart that says, God doesn't love me because I don't have this thing? Or do you believe the Lord Jesus? I mean, it sounds reductive and simplistic, but it really is a matter of who, who are you listening to? Like, who's yeah. are you going to, are you going to listen to your dissatisfied heart or are you going to be satisfied in Christ? And then ultimately, you know, ultimately this is something that we've been going through uh, at our church in Sunday school, and it has been immensely helpful uh, for me personally. If, if it was just a study that was just for me, it would be totally worth it. But others have uh, really responded to it as well. Uh, and that is the imitation of Christ. Like the imitation of Christ in all things. It's amazing how Christ laid down an example for us. And you want to talk about somebody who was content and generous and disconnected. I mean, who, who had no worldly things clinging to him. It was Christ. He's our ultimate example of contentment. He is our ultimate example of generosity. I mean, it's, I think it would do us a lot of good to read through the gospels just with that lens of the generosity and contentment of Jesus and compare, you know, our lives to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So repent, know who you are in Christ, 
remember the promises of God. Scripture is pretty clear that God is going to take care of you. Here's a verse for you. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember those promises, like cling to them. And here's another, here's another thing that you can do in your act of repentance. This is like a turning away. If, if you've been grumbling and complaining and you're like, I want what so-and-so has, the way you combat that is to start thanking God for what he has given them. Right. Like start giving thanks for, Lord, I'm so thankful that you gave Blake that must, I don't must, I don't know. I, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever never it looked, is. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Shaved, a, uh, shaved the old beard and went full stash. It, it is a good look. But, so. but the Apostle Paul yeah. is a really good example of this. I think through the letters and how often and constantly he's thanking God for these gifts and, and these qualities that these people have in these cities. Right? Like, yeah. Combat covetousness with gratitude. Right. Right. And um, doesn't some of that have to do with, you know, celebrating with those that celebrate and absolutely with those that weep that i absolutely. mean it's, that it's you know coming alongside the person whether they're in despair or whether they're in great prosperity and thanking god for his goodness toward them yeah and, and i'll add that that act of being gratitude this i think this is one of those things you're like well i don't feel thankful that blake has a great mustache and i don't <laughs> um just do it anyway like do it anyway. Start start saying it and start reciting scripture and asking God to make that reality true in your heart. Right. right. Maybe it's, not the mustache thing. Yeah, that's not the things. Yes. Yeah, right, yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, but that's, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you and another guy are going for a promotion. Other guy gets it. I mean, how how easy again is it to say, I deserve that? Yeah. What would it look like if you started thanking God? For the things that it's like that, how it's going to benefit that, that guy person, and his, his family, family, yeah, exactly, and the company and things like that. Like that changes the perspective on it, and yeah. trusting that God is good and wise, and that He knows what He's doing, yeah. and that He works all things out for good uh, for those that love Christ and are called according to His purpose. Amen, amen. Yeah. And then the last thing uh, that I think you could do is, and this kind of goes along with the greed context, but just be generous. Like, yeah, be generous, give, share, um, yeah. give generously. Give sacrificially. I'll, it's yeah. good to give sacrificially. Uh, you may, it, it may be odd for you and may be difficult for you, but try it. There's something about the Christian heart that is inflamed by generous giving. Yeah. Like ridiculous Absolutely. giving. I mean, your church, I imagine, uh, supports missionaries. Yeah. Missionaries always need money, you know? I mean, you could seriously this week you could ask your pastor, like, okay, I want to give like a serious, like like seriously something that's gonna actually matter from like giving that you will feel, you know. Right. Not like it'll, well, it'll here's, stretch here's, you. Yeah, here's five bucks for the missionary, you know. But um, you know, maybe that would stretch you. But uh but an amount, like a generous amount that is just ridiculous and say, you know, I want to send this to be a blessing to that missionary. Like 10,000 you know, black cats. 
Yeah, like ten thousand. <laughs> like yeah, instead of burning up your ten thousand black hats in the street, you could give that to missionary. And that's not like a guilt trip thing. That's a okay. Consider, I can be, I can attack the covetousness of my own heart. I can benefit a missionary. I can also store up heavenly riches, which Jesus says is a good thing. He commands yep. us store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thief cannot break in, where rust does not, you know, destroy, where moth doesn't eat. I mean, that is a wise and good generosity goes to a wise and good uh heavenly reward. Yep. It's a good investment. Yeah. Amen. So I guess I'll get online and cancel my black hat order now. <laughs> We can't even or in Oregon. We can't even have that stuff. Really? Yeah, like wow. fireworks, like fireworks stuff. We we can have like smoke bombs, the well, small a, ones. Yeah, those are lame. No one wants yeah, those. Uh, you're telling me. You're telling me. <laughs> but the problem is, is every time we have a forest fire, it's like, oh yeah, somebody bought fireworks from Washington and blew a Roman candle into a tinder box. <laughs> you know. So. Like there was a literal mushroom cloud coming out of those black cats. It was the wildest thing I've seen. And I kind of want to see it now. I, I this was pre like smartphones to record it, or else there'd be a TikTok somewhere with that. On Here's it, what but. we should do. Okay, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. What <laughs> we should do is for our extra content, our paid subscription content, we go live and light up ten thousand black cats outside your house. In mm. your neighborhood. I think any premium subscribers that we theoretically would have just unsubscribed. Because <laughs> we don't have any, but but they would have unsubscribed. They're like, what am I paying for? <laughs> hey, this seems like a good and godly use of our finances. No. Anyway. Excuse me. So we'll probably come back and tackle uh, some more specifics of greed and generosity at yeah. a later date. But until then... Lord Blushwell, thank you for listening. This has been the Chorus and the Chaos.